Good morning. Hey, you know, I was thinking, you know that young man that was up here? I'm not talking about on, I'm talking about. Do you know that he went by a nickname when he was a kid? You guys know what that nickname is? He was Pudgy. I don't know if you knew that. But I was thinking, wow, that has a lot to do with what we're talking about today. Like, the old has gone. Pudgy is gone. You know, that was not pudgy up here. And the new has come. Actually, um, as I'm speaking, can you all do me a favor? Like, I'm kind of looking at the the church and where people are sitting. And it kind of seems like if this were a wedding, that the groom is way more popular than the bride. You know, so can we get some people on that side maybe to come and fill out that side just so that there's some evenness There's some balance. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And happy Easter. Bless you guys. Okay, but don't look at them because now they're all self-conscious. Look at me. Look at me. Okay. There we go. Okay. This morning, I don't know what were the first words that came out of your mouth. But I was downstairs prepping for the message, and my daughter comes down, and her first words were, Daddy, Happy Easter! And then she gave me a card. She worked on this card. Um, I don't know why, but I read it four times. Apparently, it means a lot to me. It was a a real encouragement. I'm going to read it to you. This was my daughter's card to me. She wrote this um, on Easter Sunday. She wrote, I love you being my dad. You are my best dad. Happy Easter, dad. I love you, dad. From Noel to dad. <laughs> she, wanted, she wanted me to know that she loves me. Me. No. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I think this morning I just needed some encouragement. And the Lord, I think, was speaking through my daughter, kind of saying, it doesn't matter how you do today, you, at the end of the day, will still be loved. And that was some encouragement that I needed. I'm wondering here today, if there are those of you who could really use some encouragement. Now, the only reason why you would really need some encouragement is because, in all honesty, maybe you're kind of feeling a little down. And if you are this morning, I just want you to know that I'm right there with you. That I know what it feels like to feel discouraged. And that during this past season, it's probably some of my, it's probably been one of my hardest seasons. And so I know what discouragement feels like. I don't know if you woke up this morning and you're like, happy Easter, and you're feeling like I should be happy. But maybe if you're honest with yourself, there's something going on in your life, and it's not causing you to be happy. Maybe you could use some encouragement. Now, I know the feeling of discouragement. I know what it feels like to be helpless Maybe there's a relationship, maybe there's a chronic condition, maybe there's an addiction and it's getting you down. I know what it feels like to try your hardest on something, to really try your hardest and to also feel like it's just not good enough. 
That's very discouraging. I know what it feels like to feel out of control. And I wonder if there are people here and you're scared to think about the future. I don't know if that's you. Maybe it's finance, maybe it's health, maybe it's aging parents, maybe it's kids. But there's a part of you that's scared to even think about the future because you don't know where it's all going. And so when you think about it, you get really stressed out. And you're wondering, where is this all going? And if you're like me, you're always thinking about the worst case scenarios. And maybe there's also some shame. Maybe there's some failure. Maybe there's an addiction. And you've tried and you've failed. And the thing with shame is, is it's not just like I did wrong, but shame sounds like I am wrong. And I'm wondering if that's you. And if it is or if it's part of you, maybe we can all come together and just ask what hope is there? What hope is there? That's the human heart. It's aching for hope. What hope is there? Now, I, uh, I turned on the news last week. Oh, that can be a dangerous thing, just turning on the news, you know. But I turned on the news last week, and I remember thinking, now just in all honesty, I remember thinking like, you know, um, I haven't heard on the news that there's been a police shooting. And I remember kind of thinking, I was thinking this, like last week sometime, like early last week, like, Maybe the Black Lives Matter movement is making progress, you know? Like, maybe it's making a difference. And then I turned on the news, and you guys know what I'm talking about. 22-year-old black man, unarmed, he just had a cell phone, and he was shot in the back. Eight times. Eight times. Now, okay, I know that there's, there's two sides of a story. I know that the police thought he had a gun, but it's just, it's just not an isolated incident is all. And so when members of the black community are grieving, we're grieving with them. And there's a sense like, what, 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 what hope is there for a world? I mean, we're talking about our, our lives and for us, but when you look at the world, I mean, there's a, there's a there's, what hope is there? Where is this all going? I mean, it doesn't look very promising. And so we're asking together, what hope is there for our world? What hope is there for our lives? What, what hope is there? But you know that on this day, there are billions of people on planet Earth. Billions of people. I don't know if you can just imagine them in your mind. Billions of people who are going crazy with joy about the historic event of one man dying and then rising from the dead. And they're, they're crazy with joy. Now, Why? Well, I think it has to do with hope. And I'd like to explain this morning how the death of Jesus Christ is the hope for the world and the hope for individuals and the hope for personal change. I mean, today we're going to talk about big cosmic hope and then we're going to talk about small personal hope. Now, if you would, I just want uh, just to pray, and if you would just put your hand over your heart, uh, we're going to pray, and I'm going to tell you what we're going to do, and then we're just going to go for it. So if you would just stand right now, and I'm just going to pray, and, and would you put your hand over your heart? 
Uh, Father, I, I think we all, when we're honest, we can all have an aching heart. We can all have a heart that's hungry for hope. And the Bible, the original language, is written in the language of hope. And so I'm praying for clarity this morning. I'm praying for faith. I'm praying that you would, your whisper would become a great, loud, triumphant shout of hope. This heart needs hope. Speak to us. In your name we pray. Amen. So I'm going to tell you where we're going today. First, I'd like to share about how we got into this mess in the first place. I don't know if you've ever wondered, like, how did we get here? Number two, I'd like to share with you the scripture that describes what happened to Jesus Christ during the last moments of his life. And then number three, I'd like to explain to you what this all means. What does this all mean? All right, first of all, how did we get into this mess in the first place? All right, well, you guys, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to go fast. God, who is infinitely powerful and infinitely loving, who created every atom in the material universe, arranging mountains and saying, okay, yay, high, and, and arranging boundaries for seas, and get this far, no further. Okay, this God created the first man and the first woman, and he put them in a garden paradise and gave them everything they could ever want, including free choice. Now, the first man and the first woman chose with that free choice. Given God had given them his everything, they chose to rebel against God. They chose to be separate from God. And their rebellion against God was, was a turning point in human history. You could say at that moment there was a cosmic shift, that the very fabric of the world was changed. And at that point, every evil came into our world at that moment, every abuse, racism, hurricanes and floods, mental illness and cancer, selfishness and unkindness, a curse came over our world. Now, this is not the kind of curse that can be fixed by a bunch of engineers at Google. It's kind of curse that can only be cured by God. It's up to God to come up with a rescue plan. Now, if you open up your Bible, like, more than midway through, and you go to something called the Gospel of Matthew, what you read in this book is God's rescue plan. I don't know if you realize that we've been going through this entire series in Matthew. We've been walking through God's rescue plan. And it is interesting, right? So God's rescue plan entails him sending his son onto planet earth but it, it's different it's very different because if you look at the founder and the leader of every major religion when they came to earth their greatest achievement was something they did in their life their teaching their influence you know not so with jesus now jesus came into the earth and he did teach and he did live an amazing life Ah, but that was not his greatest contribution. His greatest contribution is that he came into the world to die. That is why he came. He came to die. Now, we're going to look at the final moments right, right 
to the death of Jesus. And then we're going to look at some of the mysterious things that happened right afterwards. Okay, so this is Matthew 27, starting in verse 5. Why don't you track along with me? Now, this is at the point where Jesus Christ is hanging on the cross, 45. Now, from the sixth hour, that's 12 noon, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. For three hours, there was darkness More than a solar eclipse, you know, there's just darkness around the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, some people feel uncomfortable with Jesus saying this. I don't know if you realize, and they feel uncomfortable with Jesus saying this because it sounds like at the very last moments of his life, he kind of... I don't know, he kind of gave up on his faith. He was having a moment of doubt. No, 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 no. That, that is not what, what's happening right here. Jesus, at this moment, when he says, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's not expressing how he feels. He's expressing what really happened. Like at that moment, God forsook him. Now, why? At that moment, when Jesus was hanging on, at that moment, Jesus, in effect, became our sin. Our sin, the worst of us, just went on to Jesus on the cross. One writer put it like this. At that moment, Jesus became the pervert. He became the addict. He became the liar. He became the idolater. He became selfishness itself. He became self-absorption and pride and arrogance. Whatever is inside you that you hate, that went on to Jesus. you got to realize that. Now, at that moment, Jesus was facing the judgment of God. And so at that moment, God and Jesus, for the very first time in Jesus' life, was separated. Jesus had never experienced that before. Now, that, in essence, is hell. Jesus experienced hell in our place. Now, people, uh, I know today, they don't really understand what that was about or what happened but even people who were standing in there observing, they didn't understand either, 47. And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man is calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the others said, wait, 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 let us see whether Elijah will come and save him. And Jesus, now for verse 50. Oh, verse 50. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, and yielded up his spirit. Now, I just, I was thinking, yesterday, I was thinking about this. Like, where were you last Friday at 3 p.m.? You know how people kind of go, like, like an older generation would go, where were you when JFK got shot, you know? Or like when 9-11 happened, where were you, you know? Where were you last Friday at 3 p.m.? Did you know at that moment God died? I don't... Have you thought about that? Like, God's son died at Friday at 3 p.m. I was, I was on the phone praying with the other pastors, and it was weird, like, oh my... Whoa, at this moment in human history, God died 
Now, notice what happens the very moment that God, I mean, all of Jesus, Jesus was the rescue plan. This was the moment. And then Jesus died. Now, look at what happened. Look at what happened the moment he died. 51. At least three things happened. Behold, the curtain of the temple was, was torn in two from top to bottom. Now, that, that temple was separating, I'm speaking very simplistically, God and his people. That was that because God is holy, so there was separate. That curtain got torn in two. <clears throat> what does that mean? Oh, but there's more. And the earth shook and rocks were split open. 52. The tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of their tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many and said, hey, how you doing? Now, we're going to, this is weird. Okay, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go back to this. I, I, I just want to just say, whoa. Can you turn to someone, I know this is really sophisticated. Can you turn to someone next to you and say, whoa. Thank you, team right there. That was good. Now, I want to finish the story because the rest of the story, in a sense, don't work unless I finish the story. Now, Jesus died. <clears throat> and I, I, I think what came had to be, I don't know, I mean, the, it, it's arguable. I think what came next had to be the, the saddest day in the history. Well, at least the saddest day according to the disciples. Because, you know, when something really tragic happens, the first day, when you, you're just experiencing shock. Like, I can't believe that happened. And then the next day, you're like, all of a sudden, it just sinks in. And you give in to despair. You give in to discourage. You give in to hopelessness. I think the next day is worse. But then, but then Sunday came. Two women both with the name Mary, go to visit the tomb. There's a huge stone covering the entrance. An earthquake happens. And the angel rolls away the stone, and these two women, they look into the tomb, and it's empty. Suddenly, there's an angel there, and gleaming white, and the women are freaked out. I would be too. And and then in Matthew 28, 5, the angel says, Do not be afraid. For I know you seek Jesus who is crucified. He's not here. He's risen. Now, I don't, I don't know. I mean, at this point, I think the women are just like, well, what, they're confused. Or, or maybe they're really happy. They're like, they're crazy with the joy. And they're going to do what the angel said, which is they're going to tell the disciples and on the way of the rain. And then on the way, <laughs> Jesus shows up. Now, you might be wondering, I wonder what Jesus says. Well, he says, greetings. Of course. And, he's, and they came up and took hold of his feet, and they worshipped him. Okay. That is how the story goes. Now, okay, now, now we're going to talk about what this all means. <clears throat> so we were talking about we live in a world that desperately needs hope, and there's billions of people around the world who have found hope in what just happened. Okay, what, what just happened? What just happened? 
Well, about 30 years later, there was a man by the name of Paul, brilliant thinker. And Paul, by the inspiration of God, you know, I, ima- I don't know if he had a beard, but I imagine him stroking his beard. And by the inspiration of God, you know, he is working it all out, like what this all means. <clears throat> and then he writes books and letters explaining what this all means. And a lot of these thoughts are Romans 5 and Colossians 1. But you know something? It's right there. Maybe it's kind of indirect. It's right there in Matthew. Now, the moment that Jesus dies, three things happen. Number one, a curtain in the temple was torn in two. You ever thought about what that means? This curtain in the temple was separating God from it. It was ripped in two. What does that mean? Well, it has something to do with God not being separated from his people anymore. Then number two, the earth shook and the sky went dark. All right, what what does that mean? Well, hold on to that. Number three, okay, this this is dead people popped out of their graves, went to Jerusalem, and they were doing like the thriller dance. You know, they just came into Jerusalem. What does that mean? Well, it means that the greatest enemy of humankind, death itself, was broken, was defeated, was conquered. Now, now take all this and you add it up. And what does it mean? It means that something very cosmic has just occurred. The sky went dark. The earth shook. There has been a cataclysmic shift. Now, I know you want to say that because that's a really cool thing to say. Why don't you repeat after me? There has been a cataclysmic shift. And then Paul makes the same conclusion in Colossians 1.20. When he says that all things have been reconciled by the peace of his shed blood. He's saying the same thing. This is what it means. It means in human history, there have been two events that have totally shaped the very fabric of history. Two events. Now, I talked about the first one. The first event is when the first man and the first Adam, when they rebelled against God. The history that followed bore the curse of that decision. And now Jesus Christ gave himself to die on the cross. And I just want you to imagine that at the very beginning when the first man and the first Adam, it was like, and then the history that followed bore the weight of that curse. And then Jesus gave himself to die on the cross. And then all, and all of history after that is moving in an unmistakable, unstoppable direction of restoration. It means that one day Jesus will come back and God will no longer be separated from his people. It means that the greatest enemy of humankind is defeated. It means that death has lost its sting. Now there's a writer who makes a very bold prediction as to what words Jesus will share when he comes back. And you know, I mean, stuff like this, you're like, well, how do you know, right? But I like what he has to say. I'm like, I like that. And he's like, I think I know what those two words will be when Jesus comes back. 
I think he's going to say, no more. He's going to say, no more death. He's going to say, no more crying. He's going to say, no more racism or oppression or inequality or shootings in the back or shootings at school. He's going to say, no more hunger, no more sexual abuse. He's going to say, no more And the root of bitterness will be pulled out, and the lion will lay with the lamb. No more mental illness. No more depression. And that part, that that, that part, that that, the fear inside of where is this all going? You know where it's going because Jesus died. The world cries out, What hope is there? Jesus Christ died on that cross. There is hope for this world. God will be with his people, and all things will be made new. Now, I don't know about you, but I like to be on the winning team. In fact, on Super Bowl Sunday, I was at the home of our uh, uh, ministry intern. I was at the home of of Vicky and, and John. And we're all watching, you know, and I'm, I'm rooting for Tom Brady and the Patriots. I know I'm not alone. Come on, some of you guys were there too. Yes. And I'm rooting for them. And I'm like, come on, come on, Tom. Come on, Tom. Right? You know, time versus Tom, that sort of thing. And I'm rooting for them right up to the point in the last minutes of the fourth quarter where it's totally inevitable that they are going to lose. Because at that moment, I actually switched and started rooting for the Eagles. Now, what I didn't understand is that the people around me would start booing for me. Why would you boo for me? I'm your pastor. Why would you do that? And, uh, but I was, I would say, look, guys, look at me. I just like to win. That was my honest confession. Now, come on, I'm not alone. Don't you want to be on the winning team? Don't you want to know that what you are fighting for is going to make a difference at the end? Don't you want to know that it's all going somewhere and your contribution counts? Yes. Yes. We're on the winning team. There is hope at the end because Jesus Christ is making all things new. Now, what about hope for this life? I mean, what about you and me? What about the things in our lives that need change? I think some of you are like, yeah, big picture, I like that. But what about here and now? What about the stuff that I don't like, that I'm struggling with? What about this addiction? What about this relationship? What about this chronic condition? What about this thing where I can't change? Okay, stay with me. Romans 6, 3 to 4. Let's read this. Paul writes this. Do you not know? Did you, do, does this, by the way, does this first sound familiar? I, I actually didn't know that Atticus was going to read all 14 verses. But this verse was in there. Do you not know? Now, now I want to make this point. A lot of people don't know what Paul is about to write. Let me make, make go further. A lot of Christians don't know what Paul is about to say. Let me go further. A lot of Christians in this room actually don't realize this. Like you might on Easter when we're talking about it, but on Monday or on Monday night, we don't realize this. 
do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him. Let me guys say, hear you say, with him. By baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Now, this is a bit complicated, but I want to try to simplify. Paul right now is using the illustration of baptism. Um, Christians will normally and traditionally, when they believe, go and get baptized. So Paul's referring to something that Christians would know. And he's saying, look, when you were baptized, it was a living symbol for the power in your life to change. A lot of people don't know this. So in a few moments, on is going to be, um, you know, uh, a plunging Atticus into the water, right? Now, I don't know if you know this, but Atticus going down in the water is a living symbol of the death of Christ. And by Atticus going down in the water, it's like Atticus saying that I am with Jesus, and the old me died with him on the cross. That is what Paul is talking about. Now, I want you to think about this. The old you, the addicted you, the you that you really don't like, the you that can't forgive, the you that says some nasty things sometimes, the you with the secret addiction, the old you died right there with Jesus. When Jesus died on the cross, he took that old you with him. I don't know if you know this. Paul says, do you not know? Apparently we don't know. But then there's more. There's more. And then on Sunday, Easter Sunday, when Jesus rose from the dead, the new you was right there with him. And the moment that Jesus came out of the tomb, you came out of the tomb with him. And that power for new life is inside you through the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you know this? And a lot of us are like, I don't know this. Do you know this? If you did know this, then you can live more and more in that power. It means that the you, it means that you are no longer who you used to be. That sounds like a tongue twister. The old you died and the new you lives. You know, when I introduce people to my son, people normally give me a look like, are you sure? And the reason why is because my son is tall. And so they look at him and they go, are you sure he's yours, you know, <laughs> right? Um, I am not a tall man, and my son on his basketball team is power forward. There is a Lord in heaven, right? Now, it's, it's funny, because I'm like a very physical father. Like, um, uh, physical touch is one of my top love languages. And so when I see my son, and, you know, like, ever since he was small, I will, like, take on the persona of, like, a WWF figure. I'll be like, Ryan, let's wrestle. I, I do that a lot, you know. And without fail, I go, oh, dude, let's wrestle. My son... Well, without fail, stand up and run away. And then I'll chase after him, you know? And we have, we have a lot of fun. And uh, 
And, but sometimes, use every time, it's every time, I want, Dan wants to have, Ryan, let's wrestle. He gets up and runs away. And I'm just like, Ryan, look, daddy is 5'5 five five and shrinking. Okay, one of these days, I'm going to be 5'4", you're going to be 6 feet tall, coming back from the gym, rippling muscles and stuff, and daddy's going to surprise you. Brian, let's wrestle. And what are you going to do then? Now, you and I know what he's going to do then. He's going to stand up and run away. You know why? Because he's still thinking like a little kid. He has no idea the new body, the new power that is his and inside him. But one day, at some point in his life, he's going to come back. I'm going to run a He's going to, let's go, old man. And I'm going to be running away, okay? You guys, you have this power for a new life inside you. And we don't know it. That's why Paul says, do you know? Because a lot of us say, no, I didn't know. I didn't know. No, no, but Paul's like, look, when Jesus was dying, you were there with him. Oh, I, didn't, I didn't know that, really. And then when he rose out of the tomb... You were there with him. I didn't know. Yes, and so the power that rose him from the grave to new life is inside you too. I did not know that. And so when you're facing down the old you, you can, you can talk to the old you. You know, you, you know what you can say? You can say, that's not me. That addicted me, that's not me. That died there with Jesus. The angry me, that's not me. The shameful me, that's not me. I'm with him. He's covering me. The old me died. And the new me rose with Jesus. And we're in this process of realizing that more and more every day. Now, a few members of our church. A few members of our church have put together a presentation for you. We wanted to honor God by sharing our stories, stories of like the old me and the new me, stories of the difference that, no, hey guys, look at me, not at them, look at me, come on, I'm still talking. (laughs) Stories of the difference that God has made in our lives because of Jesus Christ. Now listen, no one here is saying that we're perfect. That is not the story. But God is changing us from the inside out. Because he rose from the grave. Sometimes our change is very painful. Sometimes it's very slow. But we hope our stories will encourage you. Jesus Christ lives. Taught my 
I say he is risen, you say he is risen indeed. Jesus Christ has risen. Now would you stand and pray with me? God, when there was no way, you provided the way through your son. And when there was no hope, your son died and became our hope. And God, for that, we say thank you. Father, I want to pray for each person here who needs that hope. I pray for each person here who has never put their faith in Jesus before. And if that's you, you can just pray with me right now and just say under your breath, Jesus, I put my hope and trust in you. You can just say that underneath your breath. Jesus, I put my hope and trust in you. You can say it again underneath your breath. Jesus, I put my hope and trust in you. You can say, I believe your death brings hope to the world. You can say, I believe your death brings hope to me for personal change. You can say, Jesus, I trust you with my life. And now, Lord, I pray for everyone here to know the power of your resurrection working in their lives. 
Help us to know what we already have in you. And Lord, we are now standing seconds away from Atticus, formerly known as Pudgy, but the old has gone and the new has come. And we are going to celebrate his new life in Christ. And I do pray that this moment will never be forgotten by Atticus. That he would know that the power of resurrection lives inside him because Jesus died on the cross. And he would in his life have power to know your change in his life. And I pray it would just be a great encouragement for everyone here to renew their hearts before Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.